Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. That beautiful song, nothing, nothing but the blood. Um, I'm not sure if that was your first experience of... Um, you know, pre-packaged communion or not, but um, if you were like me, maybe you missed the wafer at the start. There was that sec- that first seal. You're like, hmm, I think I'm missing something here. This plastic is a, is a bit chewy or, or, or something like that. But what, whatever it was like for you, we, 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 we took communion. Uh, we took the bread representing the bodies we've mentioned a couple of times and the interesting tasting grape juice that represents, um, represents Christ's blood. But just before that, in the, in the biblical narrative, um, Jesus goes to the cross, and there's another cup that he talks about while he's praying to his Father. This is found in Matthew 26, verse 36 to 39. It'll be on the screen behind me here. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You know, from this scripture, we get uh, somewhat of a bit of a, a bit of a picture, a bit of a glimpse into the intensity of struggle that Jesus was facing in that moment. The scripture said he was sorrowful and, and troubled, uh, that he was overwhelmed, not just like, oh, wow, I've got you know, so many things on my to-do list, overwhelmed, I don't know how I'm going to get through them uh, you know, before the end of the week, but, but not just that type of overwhelm, like great grief and great loss. And Jesus is starting to feel all of this around him. So he goes and he prays to God. Now, who knows? There's a whole bunch of different types of prayer. There's the, oh, dear God, I really need a great park at Mandra Forum type sort, type sort, of, type sort of prayer. Who knows, who knows that one? There's a, there's a certain uh, seven-year-old in this auditorium who prayed for three months when he was going to bed at night, dear Jesus, I need a Nintendo Switch from my birthday while having one eye open to see if mum and dad were listening to the prayer. You know, there's those types of prayers. There's the, I've done something really embarrassing. God, would you just like open the earth and swallow me up so I don't have to, you know, like put up with this anymore type of prayers. But this prayer is not one of those. This is Jesus feeling the weight of what he was about to do on that cross come upon him. We spoke about this through the month of, the month of March in our church, which was called Paradox, because Jesus is a paradox, fully God, yet fully human. Almighty God, yet humble servant, king over all, willing to lay down his life. And so in this prayer right here, in this moment of humility, this is Jesus displaying his humanity, his human nature is being revealed to us. And Jesus asks his father, may this cup be taken from me. Now, the cup was not just a representation of his blood and the physical uh, sacrifice and suffering that he would go through on the cross. But in the Bible, the cup is a metaphor for the wrath and the anger of God. So in this moment, 
Jesus saw the wrath of God about to be poured out on him. Why? Because Jesus was about to take our place. He was the stand-in. He was the sacrifice on our behalf. The only ever perfect human paid the price for our sin. And you know, often when we think of sin, we have this very sort of narrow view of it. We think of things like uh, murder or hate or robbery, you know, all the, all the big ones. But in essence, sin is simply humanity saying to God, I don't need you, I can do better. I know how to live my best life, God. I, 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 don't, I, don't need, I don't need you. You know, truth is what I decide. It doesn't come from outside of me. It's not transcendent. It doesn't come from anywhere else. It comes from within and what I decide and what I think is right. And so because of that, if we think like that, we actually become our own gods because we decide what's right. But Jesus is asking God in this moment, is there any way you heard the father and son on the video talk about this? Is there any other way to get this done? But then, spoke about courage, Jesus makes this courageous turn. He prays his incredible words, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus has the courage to look in the face of suffering and death and despair and trust that there is life on the other side of the cross. That the cross wasn't the end, that the cross was only part of the journey. It was the opening to life coming to all humanity. You see, courage always looks beyond the current climate to trust in something bigger and something greater. I'm sure if we were all take a, uh, you know, take a moment to reflect on our own lives and our own journey, we could probably all identify times in our lives, even if we don't attribute them to God, where we made a courageous move to trust in something beyond ourselves. Maybe you've been to Adventure World and you were freaked out about the Goliath and you made it a courageous decision to trust the mechanics and the, whoever designed it and the 14-year-old kid operating it, and maybe that's the part that freaks you out, um, you know, to, to, to place your trust in something bigger and something greater, something beyond yourself. But tr courage always looks beyond. And the Bible says this, about Jesus in Hebrews 12 verse 2. It says, Because of the joy awaiting Him, He endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now He is seated in the place of honour uh, beside God's throne. You see, the joy that was awaiting Jesus was that through His sacrifice, through His death, on the cross, His victorious resurrection, then His glorious ascension, that we, that is all of humanity, would have a way to restored relationship with God, creator of this world, creator of me, creator of you. Because Jesus had the courage to take the cup, we have a way to God. Jesus, says, Jesus said that I am the way, the truth, and the life. He didn't say, I am a way. He didn't say, I'll point you to truth. He didn't say, uh, you know, follow me and you'll find it. He said, I am the way, the life and the truth. And so Jesus took this courageous turn, like I said, to say, not my will be done, but God, your will be done. There's, there's another man in the Bible that I want to talk about for a brief moment who uh, stepped into a place of courage and he's mentioned earlier uh, in the scripture earlier in, in the life of Jesus, and his name is Nicodemus. 
John 3 verses 1 to 2 says this, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. You see, Nicodemus was a, was a Pharisee, a religious leader in Israel at the time. He was part of the group of people that were trying to publicly prove that Jesus was wrong. Scholars say that he was part of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish court. And so, so this guy was no dummy. He was smart. He was, he was sharp. He knew the Jewish law. He knew what was going to happen. And his job was to show people how to follow God. So this account that we just read, it, um, it records him sneaking away to find Jesus alone at night. You know, Nicodemus's courage doesn't start in some like grand gesture in front of everybody else. It's simply him sneaking away a little bit of a seed of courage that he would pursue Jesus. You know, what, why did Nicodemus sneak away by himself? Was he, was he just overwhelmed with curiosity about this man and, and just thought, I have to find out more about him, if he was part of this group that was trying to publicly, you know, shame and denounce Jesus, then, then, then he could have just asked this question in public, yet maybe he was scared of what his peers would think. Yet he still summons some courage to go to Jesus because he sees that there's something different about him, different about his life. And here's Jesus' response to Nicodemus's question that we just read before, read before about, you know, who are you? No one can do this except someone who comes from God. Jesus answered him, this is verse three, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Be, be born again, this is, this is still a phrase that's a little bit, you know, off-putting today. You know, maybe when you tell people that you're a Christian, they might use a phrase like, oh, you're not one of those born again ones, are you? You know, this, this, this statement to Nicodemus just sort of sends him into a spin. So he, he replies back and says, can someone re-enter the mother's womb? I was at the birth of all three of our kids and I can safely say no is the answer in case, in case you're wondering. But Jesus is saying, Nicodemus, you can't just think your way through this relationship with God. You might know a lot of things and you are very wise, but you're lacking something. You're lacking something. It's the courage to trust something beyond yourself and your ability to understand. You see, author and pastor Owen McManus says this. It's a great quote. I love it. He says, to follow Jesus is to enter the unknown, relinquish security, and to exchange certainty for confidence in Him. You see, it takes courage to let go of what we know to let go of what maybe we think is certain and trust in something bigger and greater than us. Nicodemus continues his conversation with Jesus. And then this is where Jesus delivers the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Now it's really interesting for this in this passage of scripture. Um, it doesn't immediately look like there's any change for Nicodemus at all. We, we don't have like, I've seen the light moment recorded in the Bible. Sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. The Bible just moves on. 
So it's a little bit like that, you know, really addictive Netflix series that you're watching and the episode ends and you've got that 10 seconds to go, am I pressing play again? If I know if I do nothing, it just plays automatically. Oh, look, I'm watching another episode. All right, here we go. Here we go. But, but so we're not sure what happened right there in that moment or the next day or a while after. But if you fast forward to near the end of the Gospel of John, John chapter 19, verse 38, this is after Jesus on the cross. It says, After this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took the body of Jesus. And Nicodemus, and not just the same name because the, the author says this, who at first came to Jesus by night, also came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, um, about a hundred pounds. Then they took the body of Jesus, bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. See, really interesting. Jesus, first, uh, sorry, Nicodemus's first encounter with Jesus is by night. He's scared, he's unsure, he's worried, he's just sort of ducked off, making sure no one can see him, you know, just, just worried about what, what, what's going on. But then, G, then Nicodemus' last encounter with Jesus is to identify with his crucifixion. The disciples had left, everyone had gone, and like the Bible records, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus decide, you know what, we're going to go take the body. Everyone will know we're taking the body. We're going to go and do what the tradition is, and we're going to lay it in the tomb. I, I don't know what it was, but something changed along the way. Somewhere, Nicodemus responded to what Jesus had said to him with courage and with a trust in, some, in someone that was beyond what he could currently see. So as we start to wrap up, maybe as Josh comes and joins me, my question really to you tonight is... Will you respond with courage to the call of Jesus Christ? When, when, you, when you don't know, when you're unsure, when maybe, you know, metaphorically you've you know, sought Jesus in the night, when no one's, no one's around, maybe you've been, I, I don't know, reading something that other people don't know, maybe you've just been started to be a little bit interested in what Jesus is doing. My question is this, is will you respond with courage to the call of Jesus? Will you make the courageous move away from reliance on self to reliance on someone greater and bigger? Will you have the courage to trust when you don't fully understand? You see, I'm not sure what your background is, is tonight. Like I said at the start, I'm not sure if you're well, I know if you're a regular church attender here because I do actually remember people, that's helpful. But, but I'm not sure what stage of life you're in. Maybe you're a little more mature in years here tonight. We have the courage to try something new, to trust in someone that maybe looks a little bit different to what you've previously built your whole life around. Maybe you're a little bit younger here and maybe this is more prevalent for you. We have the courage to move away from your peers, to move away from the worries of what will my friends think, what will my family think, and make the movement towards Jesus. That, that's what Nicodemus did. At first he came by night because he was worried, but then he identified with Christ, identified with Jesus, identified 
with His body. Now, I don't know about you, but if all this talk of courage sounds exhausting and like, don't think I can do that, don't fear because God's ways are always opposite to the ways of the world. You see, the world has phrases like you need to pluck up the courage. That somehow you've got to be able to find it in yourself and and pluck up this courage to do something. But in the Kingdom of God, it's the upside down. Remember the words of Jesus that we started with? He prayed, yet not my will, but your will be done. You see, courage in the Kingdom of God is found by letting go. It's found by letting go. Not by trying to find something deep inside ourselves to strengthen ourselves, but it's found by letting go and trusting God. Trusting Him when we don't fully understand. Trusting Him when we're worried about the future and worried about plans and worried about finances and relationships and whatever. But to let go and to trust in Him. You see, courage is found through surrender. Courage is found through surrender. I love to end with this scripture, Matthew 16, verse 25 to 26. Words of Jesus, He says this. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? Tonight across this place as every head's bowed and every eye's closed. In a moment, we're going to pray. And what I want to do is give you an opportunity to make a decision to put a line in the sand and say, you know what, from tonight on this Good Friday, on this Easter weekend, at the beginning of the Easter weekend, I'm going to put a line in the sand and say, you know what, I'm going to cross over into faith. I'm going to cross over into courage. And I'm going to declare that Jesus Christ is going to be Lord and King of my life. I'm going to follow Him. And so tonight, right now, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if that's you, if you're saying, yes, I want to identify with that, then right where you are, would you just lift your hand? I'll see it. You can put it down. We're all going to pray together. We're not going to pull you out the front or embarrass you. But if someone here is here tonight and wants to say yes to Jesus Christ, would you lift your hand right now where you are? We'll see it. You can put it back down. Then we're going to pray together. One last moment. Is there someone like that? Yeah, I see that hand over there. That's awesome. So good. Is there someone else who wants to join this person to make a decision, put a line in the sand and say yes to Jesus Christ? Thank you right now. Church, let's pray together.